This is the Art Beauty Podcast, where we are always reaching for truth and beauty. Remember, the brands on this show are not paying to be here, so we get to have those honest discussions because you deserve to be informed so you can make the best choices for yourself. With that said, I'm Amber, and today my fabulous co-host is Christina Marusic. She is an award-winning journalist and author of A New War on Cancer, The Unlikely Heroes, revolutionizing prevention. We will be talking all about that a little bit later in the show. But before we get to that, welcome. So happy to have you here, Christina. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, Okay, so in case anybody's watching this and not just listening, it is Halloween, my favorite holiday. I got my friend Bones here. Um, And, you know, in the spirit of Halloween, um, and because we're going to be talking about something that is a little bit um, spooky, but I hope eye-opening. I thought this was a very appropriate topic for today because we're going to be talking about some of the dangers that we need to be looking out for in our beauty products, in the in the products that are probably in our cabinets. I, I'm, I'm a little scared, but I also hope that this is going to be enlightening for everybody. Um, so Christina, you know, you spent a lot of time going and interviewing people, figuring out some of sort of these um, the the chemicals that might be affecting us. Can you tell us a little bit about what prompted you to write your book? Yeah, um, I came to this book through a very personal experience. When my younger sister was 25 years old, she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And that's very young for a cancer diagnosis. It was really um, scary and unexpected for her and my whole family. Um, We're very close. I was living far away uh, abroad teaching English at the time. And when she got her diagnosis, I moved home. I moved in with her to help out while she went through treatment and surgery. Um, All of that went really well. My sister has been in remission for 10 years and she has two super cute kids. I love being an aunt too, and she lives close by. So now we get to hang out all the time. Um, I know that she was one of the lucky ones and that that story doesn't go that way for everyone, unfortunately. Um, And when she got her diagnosis, her doctors told us that thyroid cancer usually runs in families, uh, but no one else in our family had ever had it. No one has since. And they said in this kind of offhanded way, Um, oh, you know, in that case, maybe there were environmental factors. Maybe she was exposed to something that could have increased her cancer risk. And when we asked follow-up questions, they really didn't know much more. They didn't really have answers for us about what that might've been or if it could have been prevented. And when we went, you know, Googling on our own, we also had a really hard time finding more information about that. And um, I'm also an investigative reporter, as you mentioned. And so I took that question into my work and I wrote a a multi-part series about how uh, the area where we live in Pennsylvania um, has disproportionately high rates of a handful of cancer types that are strongly linked to pollution. Um, And this region, uh, we live in Pittsburgh, still has problems with industrial air pollution and uh, industrial water contamination. And then that series um, won a couple of awards and I got a really nice note from a publisher saying, hey, congrats on your awards. I think this issue is really important. Would you have any interest in turning this into a book with a more national scope? And so the book, you know, very naturally followed. um, And I learned a lot, a lot more than I knew at the time of my sister's diagnosis, for sure. Um, Okay, so, you know, I I, I feel like, I've heard about, you know, 
cancer clusters, areas where there are disproportionate amounts of um, uh, or higher rates of cancer. Um, in terms of, of the things that can be in our own homes, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the products that we should be looking out for? Is there a way to look out for them? Um, I do remember with um, uh, Johnson talcum powder, something that we all have used. And I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to make any claims, but I've watched a number of documentaries about people who are using this. And it was like, Johnson, the safest thing in the world. And like, maybe talcum powder isn't as good. So are there things that you have learned through your extensive research that we should be looking out for? Yeah, that um, talcum powder is a big one. That happened because where they mine for talc, um, there's often natural uh, asbestos. And so it's really easy for contamination to happen. And then the real problem is that um, there are very few regulations in the United States um, when it comes to what sort of chemicals can go into our cosmetics and our personal care products. So the company wasn't required to test for those impurities. And so they didn't. And, uh, you know, random testing through the years found sometimes very high levels of asbestos, which is a known carcinogen, very clearly linked to cancer. Um, and there have been some huge class action lawsuits that people won after using Johnson & Johnson baby powder for years and developing cancer, um, particularly women who developed cervical cancer. And um, that story, unfortunately, is not super uncommon. So there are, um, are a couple of issues with the way we regulate, um, particularly cosmetics in the United States, but also things like cleaning products and food additives, um, where our regulations are just a lot more lax than they are in other parts of the world. Um, I was really surprised to learn that uh, the European Union has banned, let's see if I can find it. Um, yeah, the European Union has banned or restricted more than 2,400 chemicals and cosmetics, and the U.S. has only banned or restricted nine chemicals. So that's a big difference in those numbers, and those are all because of health concerns. So some of the stuff that turns up um, in personal care products, beauty products, um, in the United States is things like asbestos, which we just talked about in talc that can show up then in other products, anything that contains talc. So like a powder foundation, um, heavy metals sometimes show up, formaldehyde, um, phthalates, which I know is um, sometimes you see labels that say phthalate free. So people right. are becoming kind of more aware of about phthalates, parabens, similar, um, PFOS, or sometimes those are called forever chemicals. Um, those are linked to a bunch of health problems, including cancer, and they've started showing up in a bunch of cosmetics, unfortunately. Sometimes they're intentionally added, but sometimes there's just kind of contamination um, in the supply chain, similar to uh, the asbestos problem. Um, hydroquinone is another kind of red flag ingredient, and um, polyethylene glycol is another one that I, I try to keep an eye out for. I mean, you're, you're, you're naming all these chemicals and I found, you know, that it, it can be a little bit tricky sometimes, right? Because you can be looking for something that maybe, right? If a brand says phthalate free, we know we're, we're going to trust that they're not including that. Um, let's not even get into that because there really isn't much regulation in terms of like these ideas of clean beauty, mm -hmm. but sometimes ingredients can be a little bit tricky, right? It might not be called that thing that you're looking for. Um, yeah. So, you know, for the regular consumer at home, 
what are we to do? And I do know, I will say that a lot of brands are taking this very seriously now and making sure to be um, more um, open about what's in their ingredients. But 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 are there places, are there resources that you kind of go to check out for yeah. ingredients? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I think it's really hard to scan ingredient lists because of exactly what you mentioned. Um, one example I always point to is that um, formaldehyde often is not listed in hair care products, but uh, there are other common ingredients that when they combine and are heated, release formaldehyde. And if you're putting something on your hair and then heat styling, obviously you don't want to be <laughs> releasing formaldehyde when you apply heat. Um, and so I interviewed people for the book who have PhDs in organic chemistry, and they were like, I can't even keep up with being able to like read ingredient lists and do this. So there are a couple of really helpful resources. Um, one that I really like is called the Healthy Living app. It's by a nonprofit called the Environmental Working Group. Um, and they do a lot of advocacy around chemical safety um, in a bunch of consumer products. And that one, um, it'll let you like scan a barcode and then right. it'll give you a ranking of the product. But um, I have found it much easier to just kind of search by category in there. Um, they score things on the basis of whether they contain a long list of ingredients. Um, and then they give things a seal of approval that they say, this is free of all of these ingredients we look at. Um, another one I like is called Cleria, C-L-E-A-R-Y-A. -A. That one's really cool. I just checked that out for the first time recently. It's a Chrome browser extension. And uh, when you're shopping online for products, I don't know that it works on every website, but it works on like Amazon, Walmart, uh, Target, I think like a bunch of big websites. Um, and you pull up uh, makeup or a personal care product, shampoo or something. It will give you a little alert if there are um, potentially harmful ingredients. And then you can click a button and it'll tell you more information about those ingredients. And then it'll also suggest other products in the same category that don't have those ingredients. Um, so that's cool. If you if you shop, I don't know if it works on mobile. Um, I think it's a little more like desktop friendly, but if you shop online at your laptop, that's a great thing. Um, there's another one called Made Safe. Um, and that one's more of a database and they test products and give them a kind of seal of approval saying this is free of all these harmful chemicals. Um, and so you can just go on their website and kind of browse. And then I also think it's really important to say that it's not really possibly perfect when it comes to these things and like right. avoiding these things. Um, that's not a reasonable expectation. It's not fair. We really should have regulations that mean anything we buy is safe. Um, so I really encourage folks to use a little of that uh, like energy we have about worrying about this to ask their regulators to do a better job and ask their, tell their lawmakers this is important to them. And then in the meantime, you know, it's just about, are there a couple things that are easy that you can do um, that might reduce your overall, overall exposures rather than being like, oh, great, now I have to become an expert in this. You know, before we move on to some of the simple swaps that we can do, I, I want to just point out a story. I met this woman and she was talking to me about her skin. She said, my skin's not really doing well. I asked her what she was using. It turns out that she was using baby shampoo on her face. And I said, why, why are you doing that? Um, and she said, because I got so caught up with all of these products and the negative ingredients and my skin is breaking out and I don't understand why. And I said, well, because you're using baby shampoo on your face, probably <laughs> not the best. <laughs> That's not what it's for. Um, you know, in that vein, 
right? We've spoken to doctors and who have said, you know, at, at parabens at their very base level, they're not necessarily bad. It's that so many products have them. And when we are constantly exposed to them, it's that accumulation of them. Mm -hmm. You know, when, because I get it, there are people out there who might be either predisposed to cancer genetically, or might just be su super anxious about that. Mm -hmm. Where do we balance that? Um, I don't want to say neurosis, right? But but where do we balance that dedication to being so ingredient focused to a little bit of like, hey, how much of this is really going to affect me? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, one thing I learned writing the book is that we're we're exposed to very low doses of these chemicals that can raise our cancer risk in lots of ways, right? So the, the pathways for these kinds of exposure are um, what we breathe, what we eat, what we drink on our skin. And uh, so knowing that we can't be perfect and we can't control every single thing that goes into our bodies in any of those arenas, I really do think it's about um, like picking a couple things that feel accessible and easy to you that you can feel good about making a swap and saying, um, you know, I'm going to prioritize this. And when it comes to personal care products, when I started uh, this process, as I was writing the book of being like, oh, I could swap out some of my stuff for healthier versions. Um, I really prioritized stuff that stays on my skin, for example. So something like shampoo, you are, it's in contact with your skin for like a minute and then it's off, um, you know, still worth thinking about, but you're probably getting less exposure from your shampoo than you are from a lotion that you put all over your body every single day, right? Our skin is our biggest organ. We're absorbing all that stuff. So I think you can kind of prioritize um, something that's going to stay on your skin. And uh, I also, rather than like, panicking and throwing out everything I owned and starting fresh. I did this in a very gradual way that felt um, more doable for me and actually kind of made it feel like exciting and fun where I just waited until I was about to run out of something. And then I used that as an opportunity to treat myself to a little non-toxic upgrade. Um, and I found it easiest to um, I personally like to use that uh, healthy living app that I mentioned, and I found it easiest to just be like, oh, I'm about to be out of mascara or this lipstick I've been using and go in there and type in just mascara or lipstick and sort by the highest rated and then go read reviews um, for the ones they had said are non-toxic um, and try one. And I think I think we also have, you know, like back in the day, um, the non-toxic products tended to be like a little hippie-ish or like that was the vibe that like maybe they weren't as effective or they weren't as good and so they're now they're just like so many more companies as you mentioned are starting to pay attention to this there's really high quality stuff out there um but it might take some trial and error like i spent i um really love my liquid eyeliner and i used to use like a stay all day one that has lots of and I found out has lots of questionable ingredients and I was like all right I use this a lot I should and I I tried a couple that I didn't love and then finally found one that's non-toxic that works just as well as like the old one you got a yeah. dish here because we, we keep it real here so what was the eyeliner you were using so I was using the Stilla stay all day liquid liner okay 
that's like the felt tip because I love to do like a winged liner and I use that forever it's not awful but when I looked it up I was like uh, I don't know if I want to keep doing that uh, or it was more of like if I can find a replacement that doesn't have this stuff then why wouldn't I um, and the one I finally found that I love is by uh, Naked Poppy and it's their liquid liner that is water resistant um, I actually like the Naked Poppy website, um, I don't know. They advertise as like clean, non-toxic makeup. Um, I don't know. I don't have like the technical expertise to say what, how, you know, whether or not they're doing a great job at that. Um, but they, they also do that like seasonal palette quiz. You can take a quiz where you upload your photo and they're like, you're in autumn, you're a spring. And then when you log in, it'll just give you suggestions that are in your palette. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So once I went there for the eyeliner, I also played around with that some and thought it was fun. <laughs> oh, I love those tips, you know, and I, I'm so glad you brought up a really good point too, for everybody listening, because let's be honest, some of us don't have either the time or the energy or the budget to go in and to completely get rid of everything all at once. But I do love that you mentioned prioritizing things that are either going to be in your skin longer. And I would also say, you know, for so many people now working at home, like I used to wear makeup every day. I wear makeup now when I'm recording stuff or if I have to be up, but so rarely. So maybe also take a look at the things that like you're using the most. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, and same, I used to wear makeup every day. Now it's like a once or twice a week thing. Um, but I think that's a really good tip that if it's something like the hand cream you put on every night before bed or- yeah you know, something that you're using daily. And if it's something you've also, that you've been using for 20 years, and then you find out it's got a bunch of ingredients that are not great. You, that's also like giving yourself a break from those exposures, right? It's just like, okay, I've been doing that for a while. So let's try something else. And then I also, um, I like to remind people that uh, you know, we hear a lot about like shopping with our wallets and how this creates market pressure. Um, and that is definitely true. But one kind of simple way to amplify the impact of these choices is to take an extra couple of minutes and just let both companies know. Um, like for me, hey, Stella, I've been using this eyeliner since I was a teenager. I love it. It's my favorite eyeliner. I'm not going to use it anymore because it contains these ingredients I'm concerned about. I'm switching to this product that's a cleaner formula. I hope you'll work on developing a formula that you know is safer um, and then also letting the new company know hey thank you so much for doing this I'm switching your product because these big giant companies are not going to and even a small company is not going to necessarily notice one fewer person buying their products um, but they rarely hear from customers and so when they get a note like that um, they do tend to pay attention and they generally assume that you know that one person who emailed is speaking something that a lot of other people are thinking and didn't bother writing them about. You bring up such a good point. I work with um, New Beauty Magazine and when people write to us, I know that we take every um, person with a, with, a, with a big, not a grain of salt, but a big with a bag of salt, right? Because you, you, you want to make sure one is a brand that you are listening to the people who support you. Mm -hmm. um, but that is such a great tip. Let your voice be heard. Um, I, I, I really, really like that. You know, you started to touch before on some of like the simple swaps that we can do. Um, I, I know, thank you for sharing your Islander. Like, are there any other things if your friends were asking, hey, uh, where do I even begin? You gave us some great resources for the products we use, but are there other sort of uh, simple swaps that we can be doing every day? 
for um, cosmetics and skincare and personal care products, I think, um, you know, one of the other things I've done that's pretty simple is like where it felt easy to switch to something natural I did um so for example um I really like coconut oil as a body moisturizer I still use um lotion occasionally but that was a thing where I was like oh coconut oil smells awesome it's just the one ingredient it's actually pretty inexpensive I get one with vitamin e that's like even a little more rich um you know so if there are things that's probably obvious but if there are things that you're like Oh, and then I found out like, oh, I actually enjoy like for me getting out of the shower and putting on coconut oil feels very like like more luxurious than using the body lotion I used to use, Um, I think. And then beyond personal care products and cosmetics, um, a couple of the really simple things I usually recommend are investing in a really good water filter and Mm. um, periodically filtering the air in your house. So um, when it comes to an air filter, uh, a HEPA filter is best. They can be a little bit expensive, but there's a cool DIY version where you just fit like a HEPA, just the actual filter into a box fan. And if you Google DIY HEPA filter box fan. You can find that um, running an air filter a couple times a week can really drastically reduce um, indoor air pollution in ways that are good for our health, including lowering our cancer risk, but for asthma and allergies and all kinds of other stuff too. Um, and then when it comes to a water filter, um, that same organization that makes the Healthy Living app, the Environmental Working Group, they recently tested a whole bunch of home pitcher filters to see if there's if some work better than others at removing specifically PFAS, I mentioned those earlier, that's P-F-A-S, it stands for per and polyfluoroalkyl substances, which is a mouthful. Um, and it's this class of 15,000 chemicals that have similar chemical properties. And it's like Teflon, if you've heard of Teflon yeah. and the problems with Teflon, though that's what those chemicals are. So they're used to make stuff non-stick and stain resistant and grease proof, but they're also linked to lots of health problems, including kidney and testicular cancer. And a recent study found that it's in 45% of Americans tap water. So contamination is a huge problem. So um, the environmental working group tested water filters to see is there are there some that take these chemicals out and they found three brands that took out 100% of PFAS and they were um, zero water filters clearly filtered and Berkey filters. So not all home water pictures. Not Brita, huh? I know, not Brita. I was bummed too, because that's like the one everyone has. But all three of those I think are available on Amazon, available at Target. Um, They're also inexpensive. So, you know, worth making the switch just to make sure you're kind of catching all the contaminants you want to in terms of your home water. You know, I, I will just add a little bit of something. We were speaking to a doctor who also told us, you know, by having an air filter in your house, right? So we're here talking about health reasons, but for those beauty people, right? Those pollutants, um, those free radicals, we, we heard the term free radicals a lot. That's going to break down your collagen. So on a beauty level, also filtering the air, which I'm I'm bad. I, I live in New York City. I should have an air filter and I don't. Um, I didn't know that about free radicals. So that's yeah. Great. One more perk for running your air filter every now and then. <laughs> you know, help support that collagen in any way we can. Um, you know, so so we've talked a little bit about um, some of these swaps that we can make. Do you mind sharing some brands maybe that you were using and then kind of switch to? Sure. Um, 
You know, I didn't, aside from that Stella eyeliner, I never had like a lot of loyalty. I kind of would like try something new, um, you know, go to Sephora and <laughs> have my makeup done and pick something that felt fun. Um, so I, you know, I tried a little bit of like most of the just kind of mainstream brands you can find at a Sephora or at a department store. Um, now that I've kind of I think I'm at the point where I've switched out just about everything. Um, one brand I really like is Ire Perez. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. E-R-E-P-E-R-E-Z, I think. Um, their uh, foundations, I really like. They have an oat milk foundation that I love um, that's like kind of rich and creamy. And then they have... Um, a serum style foundation that I also like that's like a liquid um feels a little lighter um I like the Alima Pure um powder finishing setting powder um that one was recommended to me by my esthetician I found an awesome esthetician who uh only uses like clean non-toxic products which I felt like I had been looking for forever so she does very cool like farm to skin facials which are nice delightful um and she so she so I I have was using a lot of products that I had found that were non-toxic and then she was like they might be non-toxic but still not great for your skin um right. and so the Alima Pure is, was when she recommended because I think it only has like two ingredients it's very very simple it's you know not gonna clog pores um and I actually really like it too I find that it functions really well um and then I think I'm using um a naked poppy mascara too, and that naked poppy eyeliner. Um, and I have a couple of um, well people blushes and um, like contouring sticks that I like. And those are well people is another is like a new or new ish um, line of all non-toxic stuff. That's kind of like, I feel like it's a little bit geared toward um Gen Zers the marketing is very <laughs> very useful yeah. um but I like some of their stuff too you know are there any and now I'm going to try to start to throw a run to this but are there any products that you feel like it's going to be really hard to avoid finding something mm. that is totally non-toxic effective good for you so the one category that I think is tough is if you are in a situation where you really need uh like waterproof not gonna fade for 12 hours you know if you're like in a show or at a photo shoot where you need the makeup needs to be really really set um <laughs> toxic products are kind of what does that unfortunately you know it's like yeah. hairspray style level so like I got married last summer I didn't worry about this for my wedding makeup I worked with a makeup artist and I just let her you know that was one of those things where I was like I'm going to do what I can at home, but this is kind of whatever. I need the makeup to stay on there for, a, I'm going to cry. There's going to be all this stuff. I just need it to be on there. <laughs> you know, thank you for saying that though, because again, going back to this idea of, uh, of when we're providing this information and why I love doing these podcasts is to give you that information at home, but not to scare you. I want to make sure that we're not, yeah. I don't want you to lose sleep because sleep is super important. Um, but it's about trying to figure out, Hey, like you said, what are the gradual and small changes that I can make towards a better, but of course, if you are predisposed exposed to something um, genetically, if you know that you live in an area that has elevated rates um, uh, of cancer, uh, you know, these are changes that you should 
should be making in your day-to-day life. Um, what about hair color? I feel like that's got to probably be a little bit of a tricky one. Yeah. Hair color is tricky too. Um, there are less toxic, uh, professional hair color lines like Aveda. Um, again, I don't know, you know, I haven't read if they've done like third party testing recently, but that was also one I kind of thought of as like a harm reduction thing. Like maybe it's not perfect, but I know they're making some efforts to make this less toxic. Um, and they're really thinking about, you know, when you're thinking about things like hair color, that really matters for the health of stylists too. Yes. More than the rest of us, because they're breathing that all day. It's on their skin. Um, so I always felt good when I went to an Aveda salon, um, or I'm sure there are other lines that aren't coming to mind right now, but if they're kind of labeled like non-toxic hair color, um, that at least there's like some effort being made where the stylists probably feel a little better about what they're exposed to. Um, yeah. And I feel better asking for that service and having it sit on my skin. I ended up switching to, this sounds so, um, this is going to make me sound really crunchy, but um, I, during the pandemic, I'm naturally blonde and I've colored my hair red-ish for years and years, like since I was a teenager. And um, during the pandemic, I stopped. And then I was also writing the book and I was like, oh, do I really need to be like, sitting for hours with this toxic stuff on my hair and on my skin and also spending money. And I started experimenting with henna, yeah, um, which can do almost anything but lighten hair. Like henna comes in all these different shades. Mm -hmm. It's literally just plants. Um, And now I found one that I really like and I just periodically do henna at home. And, you know, for me, that felt like um, worth the swap because I feel good about it. And yeah. I see a lot of, I do like a lot of deep dives, especially on Amazon for henna eyebrow, oh. but I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit nervous because you know, it dyes the skin, right? You know, temporarily I've done henna before, but you know, the beautiful henna Mendy, which they would do. I went to an Indian yeah. wedding and it was so gorgeous. Um, but it does dye the skin. So you gotta be a little careful, but, um, is there a brand that you like that you recommend? The one I've been getting, I think it's called rainbow henna. And so it comes in a powder and it's the only ingredient. It's just henna powder. Um, They give you all these options for like stuff you can mix it with. Like if you need some conditioning, you can add a little bit of olive oil. And um, I think people add uh, like tea. I always just do like the water, the hot water version. You have to leave. The only thing that's a pain is you have to leave it on for a long time. Um, Yeah. I do it on a day where like, I don't have much else going on and I can just put it on. Um, I leave it on for like four hours. So, you know, I just do it while I'm puttering around the house or whatever. And then, um, yeah, I really like it. And it took some, it took some trial and error too. I had to experiment with different shades and figure out the one I liked. And, um, you know, that for some people that might feel like unreasonable, that might feel like a lot of effort and mess and like trouble. Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily for everyone. If you, if you're really intent on lightening, that's tough. Although I just recently found a cool, uh, another one that I think of as like, less toxic. I I don't know that it's perfect, but I scanned the ingredient list and I didn't see anything that was like very, very concerning to me. Um, it's called sun babe. And it's like kind of, uh, I don't know, the marketing made me feel like it was like a modern iteration of sun in almost. Yeah. Like a lemon spray. Yeah, <laughs> or like, I mean, yeah. kind of, the main ingredients are lemon and peroxide. So, yeah. um, but it, uh, I've used it a couple of times and I, I actually love it. It'll, it, I get, I'll get like four shades lighter 
I'm naturally blonde, so my hair like likes to lighten. Um, and you can do it with a blow dryer or you can do it in the sun. And for me, that's another one where I was like, well, this feels better than bleach. So <laughs> I'll give it a shot. You know, I, I just, I want to thank you. you. You've made so many fabulous points here today. Um, and, and again, you know, Halloween, I didn't want to like, you know, we're not here to trick you. I know that this might not be as big of a treat, but I think it was so eye-opening to have this information. Um, your book came out earlier in May. I will make sure to have a link to this in the show notes. Um, do you feel like, have you felt any better? Like, has there been any noticeable difference in your life since you started to make this change? I think, um, you know, I don't know that I could say that I like, suddenly feel more right. helpful or something. Um, I don't think that's exactly how any of this would work, but I do feel um, a lot more confident in the products that I have and I use now. Like I just, um, it feels good to me to feel like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm at the point where I made those gradual swaps, but I've been doing this for a couple of years now. So I kind of have a version of everything that I like, um, you know, including, Shampoo and conditioner was another one that like took some trial and error. I really like, um, I have curly hair and I really like InnerSense. Um, okay. I find their whole line delightful. And they do, you can, they kind of do like packages by hair type. So you can be like, my hair's like this. So I'll get these five products. Um, anyway, but now when I use those products and I feel confident about what's in them, um, it just feels nice. I just feel like reassured and I feel, I also enjoy them. You know, I did some trial and error so that they feel luxurious to me and they yeah. feel like treats. And I really, um, have landed on versions of them that work well and that I like. And I think that's a big part of it too, is that I, um, you know, uh, I feel, I don't feel worried about what might be in them anymore. And then also it feels like a treat to get myself these non-toxic versions of the things I like. Amazing. I want to thank you so much. I'm going to ask you also to email me a list of that because I'll try to keep that in our newsletter. If you haven't signed up for a newsletter, by the way, go to rpdpodcast.com and sign up. We make sure to put links to this. Sometimes we have special discounts from brands where it applies. Um, and then certainly we've got more extensive notes and you'll find it in just the podcast notes. Um, you know, Christina, thank you so much for your time today. If people want to pick up your book, A New War on Cancer, The Unlikely Heroes, Revolutionizing Prevention, where can they go? So it's available anywhere books are sold. If you buy it from the publisher at islandpress.org, um, you can use code WAR, W-A-R, for a 20% discount. Uh, it's also available on Audible as an audiobook. And um, if you read it, please uh, leave a review and tell your friends. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on today. This was certainly an eye-opening, wonderful thing. And happy Halloween, by the way. Before I let you go, What's your favorite Halloween candy? Ooh, I really like um, anything Reese's. So oh, of course. Reese's or like a peanut butter pumpkin. Yeah. The peanut butter, the pumpkins, like when they're just like a little bit more peanut butter and thinner chocolate, they get me every year. It's like the pumpkins, yeah. the snowmen, the trees, the they're hearts. They're so much better than the cups. Right? <laughs> they're so much better. Um, for me, it's candy corn, which I can't even imagine how toxic that must be. <laughs> but I feel like the one time a year, I'm going to let myself. You got it. Yeah. 
Thank you again so much for being on. Happy Halloween to everybody listening. And of course, if you've got questions that you want me to ask Christina, feel free to pass them along. You can email me at hello at artbeautypodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Art Beauty Podcast. Remember, we will keep links to many of these products right in the show notes or the newsletter on artbeautypodcast.com. And as always, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.